Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name is Chris Badgett, and in this episode, we have a special guest, Camila Gornia. How are you doing, Camila? I am great. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah. Camila is a really interesting case study and somebody who's built a strong brand online. Uh, she's a course creator herself, trainer of people. Um, she puts on masterminds and helps other entrepreneurs who are looking to build an audience to gain authority, or if they already have that, to grow even further through lots of different methods. Uh, so we're going to get into some tactics, but also dig into Camila's story and uh, and just, just learn from her and really dig into her brand. And she's got a wonderful brand. Can you tell us a little bit, just kind of the short synopsis of who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I am known, I'm Camila Gornia. I am known as the Blow Up Scale Up Marketing Strategist. And I guess I'm also kind of a business coach, which is funny because I've always been more focused on the marketing side, but then my clients are like, Camila, but you're also a business coach. I'm like, okay, so sure. Uh, what I tend to focus on is supporting uh, amazing entrepreneurs who want to be seen as authorities and thought leaders uh, to blow up online and really make a difference in the world through their marketing. So whether it's uh, launching new programs that are leverage-based like courses, masterminds, group programs, or, you know, stepping out in a different way and then really making a difference with, you know, writing books or whatever. I mean, it's, it's really about getting the word out about what you're passionate about and then making that difference with your message. So that's a little bit about what I do. That's awesome. Well, help, help clarify. I think that's an interesting point. Sometimes when we're doing something, our clients or our customers, or our tribe ask us like, while you're here, can you also help me with this other thing? Mm -hmm. So what do you mean by, uh, you're more on the marketing side, but people ask you for business coaching advice. Help, help delineate the difference there. Yeah. So for me, I've always been a very strongly marketed, marketing-minded person. I've been doing marketing since the age of 12. So it's, it's always been what I've led with. Now, when I started working with clients, obviously we focus on the marketing side and then somehow we would start talking about, you know, pricing and creating offers. And for me, the biggest thing that I kind of realized is the fact that I just love to be creative when it comes to marketing. And a lot of times creating offers actually is a very creative process. And I really enjoy doing that. And Another thing that really makes me excited is being able to support my clients in projecting income so that they can have the leverage and have the creativity to then impact the world. So in order to have that creativity in that space, you need to have the freedom and the space to do that. Now, if you're desperately trying to make money, you're not going to be able to be in that mental space of having more creativity in your mind, right? So money is a big, important aspect and like projecting income and like who who you're working with, how is that all structured in your business so that you can increase your profits and, and, and just get more people to, I mean, get, just get more sales so that you can then create these other things that you want to be creating. So it's kind of come uh, hand in hand. And that's a lot of what my clients actually ask me for is like, how do I actually structure my entire business, what my business model is. And I look at it as a as a creative, you know, activity, creative kind of process that we go through. So I guess, I guess it's a business coaching thing because it's, it has to do with pricing and offers and business structures and stuff. But because I look at through the lens of marketing and through the lens of let's impact the world, let's change the world with whatever it is that you're passionate about. I kind of look at it, you know, a little bit differently, I guess. 
I love that. And one of my favorite words is just the word integration. Mm-hmm. And to integrate the business mind and the artist mind, sometimes these, those things are seen as, oh, you can't be both. But really, the, the true power comes from combining both. Like you said, uh, you know, a starving artist actually needs a little money and elbow room to, to be creative. And right. they work hand in hand. So I really like that point that you make about that. Well, I'd encourage everybody listening or if you're watching this on YouTube to head on over to camilagornia.com because when I go there, I see a really strong brand, very clear messaging, somebody who's not trying to be something they aren't, somebody who's just very comfortable in their own skin and helping other people do the same. Uh, How did that uh, authenticity or whatever you want to call it, how did that Mm -hmm. kind of evolve and become one of your strengths? Yeah. So that's, that's a really good question. It's, it's funny because I've always struggled with that. Even when I was younger, I've always wanted to be liked and I've always wanted to just be accepted. So I'm an immigrant. So I actually moved to America when I was 13. And that was a big part of what supported me in not being myself because you need to assimilate and you need to make friends. And in order to make friends in middle school, you have to be a very certain, like you have to act a very certain way. You have to speak a very certain way. So I worked really hard to get rid of my accent and I worked really hard to get rid of the things that I was interested in, which were, could be considered a little dorky. So I'm like, okay, well, this is not going to support me in, in making friends. This is not going to support me in, in like having a social life. So I decided to strategically create a persona of myself, uh, of a person that is more likely to be liked. And I, I kind of got into not, the best crowd, I would say. I I started partying pretty early and I did it because it didn't necessarily feel right. I just wanted to, you know, be accepted. So I did that for several years, actually, up until I was 21. And when I was 21, I actually got in a car accident and it was, um, it was on my 21st birthday, which was crazy. And again, that car accident, I was sitting in the passenger seat. My friend was driving. We got hit by a drunk driver. I was after my night of partying. And my head had hit the windshield and like I could, and, and the, the ER, you know, I, I didn't go to the ER, but the, um, you know, the doctors or whoever, I mean, whoever those people are that, that like come and tend to you when you've been in an accident, they're like, do you want to come to the ER? Like you could, if you, if you had something happen in your head because you hit your head, like you could die. And I'm just like, oh my God, what is going on? I could die. That was terrifying to me. And I started really to start, I basically started kind of evaluating my life and seeing, okay, well, I've, there were certain things that were happening in my life that were making me question if I'm on the right path even prior to that moment. And it all kind of culminated in that event where I really needed to start looking at my life and seeing why am I going about my life in this way? What am I giving up? And if I was to die right now, would I actually feel like I've lived the way that I meant to live? And the question was no, right? I was, I didn't feel like I had any deep relationships with people. I felt like I was always putting up walls and I felt like I was always showing up as somebody that is not actually me. And all the time I felt a very deep dissatisfaction with who I actually was. So I decided to take small steps to overcome that and and break through that and really understand who I was. So I started going into more personal development and started really digging into that. And it wasn't, I mean, it might sound like it happened overnight. It definitely didn't. It was several years in the making where I began to really see what is it that I enjoy? And if I like this and nobody else does, what does that say about me? And through 
you know, really understanding and learning more about myself, I was able to realize that I do care about creativity and I do uh, have very specific things about myself. I'm like goofy, but also I like that kind of edge and edgy uh, style. And it's okay if it doesn't all make sense. It's okay if it's not strategic in a way, it's just who I am. And through that, I was able to basically see like if somebody comes up to me and they are a hater and they say something negative to me, it it actually ended up not affecting me as much because I knew I was being myself versus when I was trying to have this mask on and be this person to be, that was the ultimate goal was to be liked by everybody. When a hater would come, you know, come around, which happens quite often just in general in life. And they would say something negative. I mean, that that's when it really affected me because it means it meant to me that my mask wasn't perfect, that there was something that I strategically didn't place in the right, like it, it wasn't, it wasn't organized in the way that it should have been because the goal was to be liked. So when I flipped that and my goal became to just be myself, I became more resilient. I became more just happy and content with who I actually was. And I wanted to create a business that supported me in being that authentic person and being that, that person who, who it is that I am. So I love working with people who are also looking to break through and be themselves and understand that even if you're different, even if you have quirks about you, even if you're weird or society deems you not you know, not normal, uh, it's okay because it's all a part of your story and you shouldn't have to like reject a part of you just because it's not easy to market or it's not something that everybody's going to like because it's really difficult to be universally liked. It's actually impossible to be universally liked. And when we try, we're, you know, setting ourselves up to fail. So I'd rather just enjoy my life. (laughs) And that's really what my business is is founded upon, I would say, is is being able to just, just live and just be yourself and do things in a way that feels good. I think that's really beautiful. And it's, it speaks to leadership in general, and also teaching in order to, you know, lead and teach the first thing we have to do is, you know, lead ourselves. And I mean, clearly, you've gone through an experience that then allows you to kind of give back and, you know, return and help other people who are trying to break through in in a similar way that you were. So that's, that's awesome. I love your story. That's, that's so cool. Um, What was the transition point of going from your transformation to helping other people like what you know when did that uh, you said it may seem like it's overnight but it's not like tell us a little bit more about the process of getting started online for you Mm. and what that was like well getting started online happened when I was 12 and it wasn't a very I don't know if it I mean I guess it was pretty authentic because it was uh it was a website that I built and it was about manga. And this was back when I really liked it and there was no one in my town that liked it. So it wasn't a business venture. It was just kind of like a hobby thing. But for me, um, and then I had a photography business where most of my clients I got through the online and then I had a health blog and stuff. And I think because I had so many things that I've done, when I finally became more intentional about creating a business, because these other things, I mean, I consider them ventures. I guess they were businesses because they were profitable, but I didn't necessarily set out to like, oh, I'm going to now create a photography business. Oh, now my blog is going to become... that. That's not really what I intended it to be. But... I feel like because I had these ventures, when I actually did become intentional about creating a marketing business, you know, coaching kind of business, I had 
this this background already that allowed me to know kind of which way to go about it, what to do, what not to do, and that kind of stuff. And I think for me, the biggest thing was in the beginning, especially with photography, um, and even with my health blog, it was more about myself and it was more, more about like discovering what I like. And it was a lot of that discovery that allowed me to find that there's other people that are also doing very similar things. And as I was moving into creating a more, more intentional business, I was actually a little bit confused about what is it that I wanted to create. And I'm a multi passionate person. I love so many different things, which is why I had all these different ventures. So it's unrealistic for me to have a business that incorporates all the things like that it's so my, my, potentially my marketing business is, is selfish because I just am so interested in so many different things that I want to do them all, but I can't. And same with marketing, there's so many campaigns, there's so many things that I want to test that I realistically can't do on my own, um, in my own business. So I love being able to support other people who are, who also are very passionate about what they're doing. And they see that mission. They see that the thing that they want to change. And I get inspired by passion. Um, I get so fueled by other people who are passionate. They have something that they want to change in the world in some kind of a, you know, it just makes sense. And when there's that spark, that's what lights me up. And for me, I'm able to then experiment and use my multi-passionate tendencies towards my clients. So it's, you know, I'm interested in health and I'm interested in like, uh, you know, relationships and I'm interested in like all these things. Well, that's my clients. And I'm able to basically use my interests and get them out there because I wouldn't be able to do it. And, you know, I really see a vision for a world that is filled with love and creativity and passion and just really incredible things that everybody is doing. And I would really love a world that, that's like that. So this is my way of making sure that that happens. Um, I, I kind of, my work goes through these, these clients, these people, so they can do the, the amazing work that they're doing and I can support them because marketing has always been, um, like a, I guess, superpower because <laughs> I've been doing it for so long and it's what I'm, you know, I'm leveraging that to support other people who are amazing and in, in their kind of industries. I think that's really admirable. And, and one of the things I hear in there is um, it's okay to be a little bit selfish. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you give and you do consulting or coaching or teaching, and at the end of the day, you're like, oh, I'm whooped. I have nothing else left else to give, which is it's fine if that happens. But what you're also saying is that by helping these people, you get to explore and play in all these different areas in all your multi-passionate ways that you're also getting something out of it, which creates, you know, that's more like an in, infinite, uh, infinite loop that can just keep going and growing and expanding. So that's, okay. it's, it's really well said. What, where did the words blow up and scale up come from? And, you know, a lot of the, if, if you guys go to Camila's website, you'll see um, just some really well-written, um, you know, words around what she's up to, what the manifesto is, what the, there's a strong brand. It doesn't feel like blah. It's like, okay, <laughs> this is Camila. But so where does that come from? Blow up and scale up. Yeah. So it's, it's funny because this was, I think a year and a half ago and I was working with my copywriter and we, we were doing this whole rebrand thing. Maybe it was two years ago. I don't remember exactly, but she, so in the copywriting process, she basically was asking me a whole lot of questions. And the thing that I kept saying is, okay, so I really, what am I passionate about? Well, I want these incredible people, these incredible authorities, these course creators, these, these people 
to be able to blow up so that everybody knows who they are and then therefore they're able to change the world. So, you know, people that create courses and membership sites and all these different things, they're doing it because they want to teach people. They want to like impact these people in a very specific way. So if they're doing it and nobody knows who they are, they're not really doing anybody any favors, right? It's like, how can you keep that brilliance to yourself? It's self to do that. So I want these people to be known. I want them to be known in a huge way so that everybody knows and has resources to support themselves and whatever it is that they need, you know, whatever they need support with. So I want them to blow up huge, like explosive, just that's what I, I I guess I like using masculine words. I don't know. (laughs) Like boom. Uh, And then the scale up. So I kept mentioning that word to her. And then the other thing I was like, okay, well, I really also like it to not be pure hustle. I also like it to have some leverage and that you're doing it in a way that it supports your lifestyle too, and that you're enjoying yourself. So a lot of it has to do with like scaling your business because the people that I also love working with, um, are people that have already done this and now they're looking for scale. They're looking for leverage. They're looking to uh, bring in more customers without having to spend and expend more energy to necessarily do that. So it's kind of creating these systems to make it work. Like funnels and launching, um, automated kind of launching and stuff. So I guess they just scale up, like scaling and scaling. So blow up and scale up is basically like the gist of the thing that I tend to focus on with my clients. And from that, I, when I was thinking about these two words, I'm like, okay, this makes sense. This is, this is really interesting. And then I realized that I actually have a very specific like methodology that I use when it comes to entrepreneurship and, and like, Everybody is in a very specific stage as they're going through their business. And it's my blow up and scale up method, which has like five very specific levels. So there's the setup, um, there's the think up, set up, blow up, scale up, and then free up. So there's five levels, if you will, for, for a business owner to or business to go through. So it's been really cool because while I fueled it, she was able to capture that and see like, Camila, you keep saying these words, you keep, what is that exactly? mean. And then that became like a whole thing, like a whole part of like huge part of part of my brand um, as well. So it was a really cool experience. That's awesome. Well, how did you get to that point where you decided you wanted a copywriter or needed a copywriter? What, where did that come from? I, a copywriter was actually my first hire because I, when I was starting this business, I knew that obviously you need to make sure your copy is solid and all that good stuff. And I didn't really consider myself to be a very good copywriter. Um, you know, like I'm okay with writing. I don't love it necessarily, but whatever. So when I was, when I was creating my website for this business and you know, there's a lot of resources. I, I took a course on writing copy, as many people have. And I was going through this process to write my copy. And I mean, the copy that I wrote was great. Like everybody was shared how incredible it was and how much it resonated with for them. But it took me so long to actually finish it. And I'm a person that like, I like things to be like, all right, let's go, let's go, let's go. So for me to sit there for like two weeks to write my website copy was just like, I just wanted to like, die. It was not fun. Uh, so after I did that, I, every future sales page website, I mean, just the, the energy expenditure was not worth it. So the first, the first copy, uh, the, the first uh, person I hired was a copywriter and it was a project based, of course. So she wrote my sales page. And then when we we're doing a rebrand, she redid my entire website copy. And it just, it was so much better because even though I can 
you know, I, I know a lot of like about technology and all that good stuff. And that doesn't take me as, as long as, as writing. But I feel like because I was able to work with a copywriter and she was able to capture what I said and like the exact words I was using, just making them sound a little bit more sexy and the flow was already proven. Um, for me, just to learn these proven systems, it would take too long. But the cool thing is because I've, I'm so integrated and like I'm so into marketing even though she was doing these things I was able to capture what she does and it in turn turned me into a much better copywriter now so uh like there's some sales sales pages that I will write myself um depends on my time like how much time I have but all my emails I write myself everything all my social media posts I write myself so um you know for me it was just like a part of the learning I would say and really making sure that you know, do I really want to spend two, three weeks on writing a sales page when I could focus that time on something else? And the question was, you know, I'd rather just hire it out. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, when you look at other entrepreneurs or just imagine a, a, a course creator who's trying to make it online or somebody building their first membership site, in your experience, what's getting in the way or what's holding people back uh, in general or at, at one of the specific five levels? Where, where do you see is the biggest kind of hurdle to get over for a lot of people? Well, I, I think it really depends on the person because, you know, a lot of people are st stuck in the thinking stage where they're still like, okay, well, it has to be perfect and I have to do like, what is it going to be? And most people actually stay stuck in that think up stage and they're, they're just there because they're not great at taking action. And, you know, until you actually commit yourself to taking consistent action, you're never going to get out of that space because, I mean, even for me and for most of my clients and for myself too, it took a couple of courses before I was actually able to like have a solid one and be like, okay, I'm actually really happy with this. And like the launch is going to be great and stuff. And it wasn't perfect the first time around. It wasn't perfect the first couple of times. So I feel like a lot of people are trying to make it perfect the first time around. And then because of that, they're never happy. And then they don't want to put it out there in the world where in fact, I mean, the reason why people are taking courses, it's to have a transformation of some kind to learn something. It's not to have beautiful design and looking at the beautiful slides. That's not why people are doing it. Um, I recently launched a new program and one of the students was like, Camila, how did you do this? And like, how, what, what did you use for these slides? And what did you use for this? And the setup, I'm like, why are you asking me these things? You need to like actually create something first and get people through it. And this is like my... I don't know, 20th course. Like this, this, it wasn't the first thing that looked like this. The first thing was like random PowerPoint slides and you know, that there wasn't anything fancy about it. So, um, I feel like a lot of people are kind of stuck on that because they sign up for these amazing, beautiful courses where people have huge budgets and they use that as the benchmark for, you know, excellence when that's not really you know, the case. So that's one of the big ones. I think another one too is a lot of people struggle with feeling like they're a fraud because, well, there's so many people that are doing what I'm doing or like what I want to do. And what do I, what do I really have to say about that? Like, who am I to even like want to teach people about this? It's been done before. I'm like, you know, what if they find out I actually don't know what I'm talking about? What if they find out that I don't, you know, I'm not whatever. A lot of these kind of limiting thoughts and beliefs that come up about worthiness uh, are very, very common and feeling like, oh, I'm not really an expert enough. I've only been doing it for a couple of years or like a year or whatever, where in fact, I mean, you know, like 
you're probably going to be teaching people that have zero experience. So yes, you know a lot more and you can therefore teach people. So, uh, and also through teaching, you're going to be able to like really zone in on how, like what your like theories are and opinions and like your framework, because, you know, in the beginning you're going to have to go through a like process that you use, but then things are going to get even more um, specific. Again, it, it is rooted in taking committed action. Uh, so a lot of people tend to be stuck in that in that kind of space. And I think I think the last one too. I think the last one is just not knowing how to grow and like having a bigger picture for it. So they think that okay, well this sounds cool and maybe I'll do that. But then because there's a lack of that vision for how exactly is that fitting into the bigger picture, um, the strategy, they tend to kind of hold themselves back or they do it and then they don't do it in the way that, you know, is supporting their clients because they think that, okay, well, I'm going to be promoting something that I know they need where people actually are not going to sign up for something that you think they need. It's something, you know, they're going to buy something that they want and they consciously know that they want. So it's kind of a different approach to that as well. So I feel like these are probably the most common ones. That's very cool. Very cool. Well, let's, I kind of want to tap into some of your expertise for the mm -hmm. listener and uh, get some, some tactical tips and, and just learn from you. One of your specialties is uh, Facebook ads. And if somebody is like approaching that scale up phase, um, there's like, uh, you have a, uh, an ebook, I believe on your site about yeah. this that I encourage people to download. I just download, I just started reading it, but you talk about the three key things that people need. Can you tell us a little bit about that? If somebody's going to go to Facebook ads, cause I think a lot of people try it. It, it doesn't make any money or, you know, it's cash flow negative or, mm -hmm. you know, they try it for a hundred dollars. They're scared to spend a thousand dollars on it. Like what, what do you tell to people who are trying to scale with Facebook ads? Like, let's bring some sanity to the conversation. Yeah. So the biggest thing that I, I see people kind of struggling with Facebook ads is, well, the, the biggest thing is they don't have the strategy. So there's been people that come to me and they want my support on that Facebook ads front. And like, okay, so they're like, Camila, I'm going to do Facebook ads and like my business is going to just blow up. I'm like, great. So what is your strategy? And they're like, well, Facebook ads are my strategy. I'm like, no, well, Facebook ads are not the strategy. <laughs> Facebook ads are like the traffic. Facebook right. ads are the tactic to get the people, but what are, where are we sending them? And then what happens? And then what happens? And a lot of people don't realize that Facebook ads are not the strategy. Like Facebook ads are amazing and they'll support you in getting the perfect people towards what it is that you have. But if your funnel is not set up properly, if it doesn't, if there's no funnel, of course you're not going to get sales. I mean, why would you get sales if you're not selling anything at the end of that funnel? So I would say that's probably the biggest thing from people that I at least encounter a lot um, is, is just that lack of strategy, lack of that bigger picture of how our Facebook ads are actually playing a part in this entire process. I think the big, the other thing is um, a lot of people are a little bit uncertain about how much to spend and what to expect from that. So you know, because again, we like to compare ourselves to everything else. So we'll see somebody posting that they're getting like 12 cent leads and they're like, okay, that's my benchmark, 12 cent leads. Well, we're in fact, that's like not, that's not normal. That's an incredible result, but that's not what happens for most campaigns. And that's not to say our clients haven't gotten that. Pretty much every client has gotten really, really um, inexpensive leads at one point or another, but that's not what we aim for because it's not average. So 
when we break it down just to simple math, like, okay, so you're launching a course. How many people do you need to get on the webinar? Um, if you want to get like X amount of sales and then, okay, so if we need to get these many people on the webinar, um, and we're expecting to pay anywhere from four, like $4, let's say average per lead, then you need to spend this much amount of money to bring this amount of sales. If everything works, you know, in that special, you know, that, that example that we kind of lay out, which doesn't always work that way, of course. But people are like, man, I spent a hundred dollars. I spent $200. I didn't get any sales. I'm like, well, of course you didn't get any sales. Cause nobody saw the pitch. Like that's just, you know, like it doesn't make any sense. So it's having that, it's actually not that hard to just really understand you know, what you need to invest and you do need to invest a good portion to really see what you need. Now that's not to say that you can't spend just $5 per day for a little while and like get people onto your list and have a really simple funnel with like a low cost offer or something like you can totally do that. And you can maybe even break even if you're lucky. Um, and that's awesome. And that happens for many people, but you know, again, it's, it's having patience and it's having, it's being able to test and knowing that Unless you're willing to, unless you're open to losing the money you're you're putting into Facebook ads, you're you're setting yourself up to not be very happy with how it's going to work because, you know, there's Facebook ads change all the time. That's probably the biggest thing, and even within ad sets and audiences, that changes all the time too because you know competition and how many people are you running ads to these audiences and just how much text you have in an image and just relevancy, that's all going to affect how much Facebook is going to be sharing your ads in front of people. So how much you're spending even per, per you know, per click is going to differ. So per lead, of course, is going to differ even more. So unless you're willing to just come into it with an experimentation mindset, and like learning and coming into it as, you know, you can't really fail because even if I get no, no leads, at least I'm going to know why people don't really like this thing. Uh, you know, it's going to be not a very fun ride for you. So I think that's the biggest, um, one of the big, big ones as well. And I think lastly too, a lot of people when they're scaling ads, they go from paying like $10 per day per audience or per ad set. And then they go to like a hundred immediately. Like, Oh, I have all this budget. I'm ready. This is working. Let's do it. And that's not what I recommend either because what happens with Facebook, that's a little bit interesting. And, and we had one of our clients that was kind of facing this recently where she was in pro she was in positive ROI when, when the budget was at like, it was like a hundred per day. And then we scaled it up slowly. And then eventually the ROI started to break even. And then it was a negative ROI. And when we were spending less money it was in positive ROI. So it's really the best thing you can do when you're scaling is being like, when you're moving into the scale part, being very aware of what's going on with your ads and keeping a really hawk eye on the ROI, how much you're earning, if it makes sense, because just because you have more money to spend doesn't mean that your ads are going to be also performing at that same level. Um, Facebook is really, I mean, it's, it's a whole different beast and who like, you know, you just can't guess what's going to happen, even if it theoretically should be working the way that you think it should be working. So Scaling slowly, adding just a couple of extra dollars per day, and then keeping that really like focus attention, laser attention on performance is definitely going to take you far. That's great. Well, I really appreciate that. And thanks for all that insight into Facebook ads and, you know, paying for traffic, making sure you know your economics. Um, and what are you pointing them to? What is the sales funnel? Like not just pointing them to the, the, the homepage or whatever. 
But in terms of like the offer itself, if we go through that to the offer and what we're offering, one of the things I notice about you is uh, you have like all these different things. Like you have a membership site, you have a mastermind. Can you tell us like kind of what your product suite is and where you've ended up at? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, this is probably one of my faults because I am creative and I love creating offers. So (laughs) I have a ton of offers. Um, and I create new things all the time that are a little bit more standalone and they're more like spontaneous, if you will. Um, and I'm not going to mention my, my like low cost things cause there's a ton of those and they're all moving into something else. So everything I create is very strategically created. It's not like a random thing because somebody wants it and I'm creating it and it doesn't like follow into something else. Like there's always a flow. So the, the bread and butter for me is my mastermind, which is a high ticket, um, it's 10 months now, 10 months program, 10 month program for um, entrepreneurs that are like around or at or past six figures. And they're looking to really get to multiple six figures with leverage offers, sales funnels, paid traffic, launching courses and programs and things like that. So that's my main thing. That's the thing that eventually I want everybody to go into because that's what's making most of my money. Now, the things that are before that, I have my authority launcher program, which is like, kind of self-study, but not, it's kind of group self-study. It's, it's, it's a very differently structured program than like anything that's out there right now. Um, and it's about setting up your marketing to position you as an authority basically online. So, um, really amazing program. I love this program. And again, everything kind of goes into that because that's where I want people to go. So then they're ready for the mastermind. So that's kind of the flow from there. And then, so these are like the two main ones that the flagship ones that I will say, I also have my telesummit course. So the business famous tell summit formula. So this is a, a kind of a standalone course, but again, when people take that, they're much more likely to be a good fit for the mastermind. So it makes sense that they would be taking that. I have a Facebook ads course as well, rapid growth, Facebook ads system. And again, people that take that might be a good fit for the mastermind because we talk about Facebook ads and, uh, I have a whole bunch of other things. These are, I think, is there anything else that is like a standalone passive ish no, I think these are the, the main ones. I have my membership site. So my membership site, um, at the time of this recording, it's called the society, the hashtag blow up online marketing society. I'm actually going to be rebranding that into the vault. So it's going to be marketing vaults. And because I create so much content, it's basically where all my trainings, my con like smaller content things that I create that people are going to have access to like a vault of just marketing like trainings and things like that. Uh, so that's like another thing that I have. And these are really the main things that I move people into. Um, and then all the smaller things, all the, like even the higher ticket things, like workshops and stuff that I do. I mean, that obviously makes sense to move into something else at the back end of that, but I need to have that space for my creativity to flourish too. So if everything was just planned out and that's all I was selling all year without giving my, myself space to like, Oh, well, what about this? And like, that, like I would just not be happy. <laughs> so it's, it's allowing me to fuel that creative side of me, but also having that steady, um, secure projecting kind of income base for my business to really be solid as well. That's awesome. <clears throat> well, that was a, um, five minute masterclass on funnel design right there while still being true to your artistic creative needs. That's awesome. Well, let's, let's speak to the um, already successful online course or membership site owner. They've got a training vault, if you will. What would you, I recently saw that you did a 185 K launch on your mastermind, I believe. Yeah. Um, what, 
if somebody's like, okay, I did it. I, I have a successful membership site. I have a successful online course. I want to try this mastermind thing. Can you share your experience and what you learned? What works great? Where does most of the value come from? What are some things to some pitfalls to potentially avoid? How big or small should it be? Should it be live? Should it be online? Should it be both? Take mm-hmm. us to school. Yeah. So before I talk about that, I want to just differentiate between a mastermind and a group program because a lot of people that create masterminds are actually creating group programs. So I see a group program as something where everybody starts in a similar place and they're all ending in a similar place as well. So you're taking them through a curriculum where you're teaching people very specific things and they're all going through it together. You know, you have um, live group calls or online calls and like supporting them in that way. So most people are actually, uh, um, especially course creators, that's the next step for them versus necessarily a mastermind. So, because it's easier, it's just easier to kind of, you know, there's, it's easier flow, easier organization and that kind of stuff. Now I have, I have that, I've had that for a little while too. And a mastermind is more so where you bring people and there are kind of different levels. They might want to focus on kind of different things, but there's an overall theme that's similar and people all start in different places. People are all ending in different places because everyone's kind of focusing on their own path and then everyone's coming together and supporting each other, um, to really step up in that high level. So my mastermind, um, I mean, I, I did it. It was a fir- the first launch from a mastermind I, that, a year ago, 187, I think it was, uh, 1,000. And it was the first mastermind I've ever done. So definitely a lot of things that I learned through the process. The, the one that I'm launching now is quite a bit different. Um, but that one was 12 months and it was lower ticket from... So most masterminds are about like anywhere from 20,000 up to like I mean, I, I know some people that do hundred thousand um, dollar masterminds. This and one, these are these are for like the course of a year, six months, or what? Yeah, <clears throat> a year. Yeah. So uh, the reason why I created this too, from a business perspective, is because I wanted to have that projection. Um, I wanted to know that I'm solid for a year. I know how much I'm earning, and I'm good. And then everything else I'm doing, I can kind of breathe. So from the business perspective, that's why. But then also. I knew about myself that I am. I love working on like more bigger, like bigger things, like the launching and the funnels and all that kind of stuff and being able to support people in that kind of way. And also, um, I, I like teaching, but I don't love teaching how to's. I prefer to do it once and then people have it and then they can get, get to it versus me reiterating it over and over and over again. So with a mastermind, I'm able to support people on a high level strategy, you know, just like, how do we grow? How do we leverage? How do we like get to the next level, which is something that I excel at and I love doing. So everything else that was how to, I have pre-recorded and people can have, have access to that and stuff like that. And, and like the group formats and stuff. So with this, I wanted to stay in that high, like high level strategy. Let's, let's freaking rock this. It's going to be awesome. Um, so I did kind of a blend for this one. It was we did, uh, and, it, and we also included two in-person retreats as well for this because I wanted to have that in-person intensive kind of feel. And the reason why it was a little bit of a blend is because I included one-on-one calls with me once a month for, for these people. And then plus they, like we had a training call every month and then we had, um, like two additional group calls so people could support each other. Um, what I learned for sure it was, it, that is because because I integrate, like, I, because I combined two things, I, I combined the group th- program with a mastermind. It was a little bit confusing for people, or at 
least that's kind of the, the impression I got. I mean, people got incredible results. People like tons of people quit their jobs and they retired their spouse and they just like, you know, I'm really like blew it out of the water. But because there, I wasn't as specific about who I wanted to attract for this. I mean, I was, but then I was kind of more like, okay, it's my first one. It's okay. If you're not quite there, like, let's just bring you in so that we have people. Um, because I was a little bit more lenient, I wasn't able to actually support people on that high level that I wanted. So some people were still in that, like they should should actually been in a different program versus this. Um, so, you know, that was kind of something that I definitely learned and I understood and, and, and we had two different levels as well. So, uh, you know, some people were, that, again, that's the impression I got is some people were uh, confused about because some people got specific features, others didn't get that, those extra features. And it was just like confusing on communication of that, like, oh, we have a group call, but it's only for these people, not those other people. So it was just like, ah, what's going on? I was confusing myself. So, um, <laughs> For, for, for this one that I'm launching right now, um, one level, very straightforward, very simple. Everyone's like, they know they want to like blow up in that way to, with the scaling. And um, we're not talking about like, here's how to get one-on-one clients. Here's how to do all that stuff, which is a big part of what we talked about in the first mastermind. And I, I know how to get clients. I've supported my clients to like get tons of clients, but it's not what I'm most excited about teaching. Um, I'm more excited about, again, that more leverage-based model. So I'm making it very clear now. I'm like, great. If you want support, I'll help you. But know that we're going to be focused on this. You are a good fit if you want to have like, you know, huge courses and membership sites and, um, you know, group programs that do events and that kind of stuff so that you can be seen as an authority. And you have, you, you know that you're going to have to run ads to make it happen. You know that you're going to need to hire a team to make it happen. And, and it's kind of a different, um, just more specific to make to from that perspective and i do find that for mastermind um i personally find that it's better when it's smaller so my my previous mastermind was about 18 people um so i like that number because not everybody shows up to calls anyways so you know if you want uh 12 people to show up for calls or retreats then 18 people might be a good fit for you in, in terms of like who you want to bring in um group programs you can you can really make it much much bigger it's really going to depend on how you're going to structure your group calls if it's going to be like laser coaching if it's going to be hot seats where people have more time for themselves to get support if it's going to be just training if it's going to be just training and like just straight q a you can have a lot of people i uh one of my colleagues who's a mastermind coach, she has like 90 people in her mastermind and it's a ton of people. Um, but because of the structure that she has for it, it kind of made sense a little bit more. So, you know, it's, it's really kind of brainstorming on how do you want to support people and always starting with yourself too. Like, you know, a lot of people say like, start with the clients. Honestly, I want to have business that I'm excited about because if I'm starting with the clients and only thinking about the clients, then I'm going to create a business that I'm not excited about because just because someone else is telling me to do that. So I start with myself. How do I want to support people? And then looking at what do they need and then finding a happy medium between the two. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing all that experience. <clears throat> I want to ask you something about uh, working with your tribe you know, sometimes you have these free opt-ins, maybe some free exchange on Facebook, Facebook group, social media, wherever. Uh, then you have, you might have some lower price things. And then, uh, you know, then there's like the membership and then there's this like high ticket mastermind thing. What, besides obviously like having a budget for the mastermind, what makes, if, if somebody has like a nice size audience and membership site, 
And they're thinking about getting into it and maybe they're scared that like, I don't know if anybody would actually go for my big mastermind thing. What would you say to that person? And how do you identify um, the people? What makes people different that are really ready for that, that appreciate that? Well, I would make sure that the offers, the low ticket offers you're creating are setting people up to be ready for that big mastermind. So like I have a lot of stuff about Facebook ads, people that are interested in Facebook ads have the money to spend on Facebook ads likely, which means they might be more open to, you know, mastermind kind of stuff. Not, not always, but very frequently. So, um, there's people that focus on very, very beginner stuff, like how to, you know, set up, I don't know, something really basic. And then on the back end, they have this big mastermind that's about like high level stuff. And there's the disconnect because, well, of course, people that are newer, they're going to want to know how to do these, you know, DIY stuff and they're not going to want to spend money on it. So that's, there's a, you know, of course, most people are not going to be ready for that mastermind, but it's really setting up and, and framing everything in a way that is supporting you in that growth and then using very specific words that are, that are attracting those right kind of people. And then even when you talk, even in your emails is just mentioning that big program, mentioning that this is how you work with people, mentioning this is what your vision is for people and how you like to support people. And then the right people are going to stick around. And then, you know, if the first mastermind has to be like four or five people or six people, that's okay too. Cause those can be very, very effective as well. Um, so it's not even you know, I mean, it's, it's not even stressing out too much about like, it's, are people going to want it or not? Cause people, you know, if you, if you're setting everything, if you're setting these kind of breadcrumbs for people to, um, go, you know, take, and and they're all going to be ending up at that place, you know, you should be fine. But then if you only have like 50 people on your email list, I mean, it's going to be a little bit tough. (laughs) Like that's for sure. Uh, so like maybe you're going to have to lower the price for the first one. Like my mine was much lower in price for the first one because it was my first one. So it's really like looking at what can you do to make it a success for yourself. And if it's, if it means not doing the recommended thing that everyone's saying to do, like that's okay because it's supporting you as in your own personal growth in your business. That's awesome. Well, Camila Gornia, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for coming on the show and honor you. I feel like you came on here and you just gave and gave and gave so much uh, knowledge and insights. I'd encourage people to go to camilagornia.com and there'll be a link in the, in the show notes and all that stuff and, and check out what she's up to over there. But uh, yeah, just thank you for coming on the show and thank you so much for sharing uh, so much great experience with the listener. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. It's a lot of fun and I'm excited to support. Um, And if anyone has any follow-up questions, I'm happy to support. Is there anywhere people can connect with you besides your website? Um, You can find me on my, on my Facebook business page too. Like you can message us um, on there and yeah, we can talk. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you.